Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can, the best way possible, while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage. Why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in their job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I have no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title. You get a title, you get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this. This is how you get there. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli, and I will be your host. Jonathan Riftin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. I've been waiting for that conversation because very few people can speak about the amount of things you can knowledgeably speak about, or at least we hope. That's very flattering. <laughs> I hope I can deliver. You've done corporate, you've done VC, you've done startups, you've done London, you've done New York, you've done Tel Aviv. So you are well positioned to speak about many things. And let's get going. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? So my name is Jonathan, originally from Israel, born and raised there. Moved to New York three years ago with my wife. We had our baby Tom there. And uh, I moved to London six, seven months ago. Started my own company, Clutch, and working on it now. Why London? Why not? They say the music is good here. But, um, well, we were looking for a, for a hub after spending some time in New York, which we loved, we had to leave the country. Trump, unfortunately, takes its toll. And uh, just before coming home back to Israel, we decided we want to explore the world a little more. And because I wanted to start a business, I felt that London is a great hub for tech, for funding, uh, and is a great gateway for Europe, but also the US as in time zone, flight time and so on English speaking English speaking of course that's the first yeah so um, you've been in London for how long now since June so since June. a little over than six months seven months any differences that you can already tell between the New York tech scene and the London one <laughs> of course it's it's a different world everything moves uh, a little bit slower here. And uh, not just the tech scene, but um, it, it's even more apparent uh, in tech because tech in and of itself moves fast everywhere. So um, here it's a bit slower. Um, people are a bit more reserved, more cautious, uh, more risk averse. And uh, it's shown, it's shown everywhere and, and tech specifically. So when it comes to funding, speaking with investors, 
speaking with businesses that you're trying to um, to make you know prospect that you're trying to uh, convert everything just takes much more time and what are the upsides compared to New York the weather is much better surprisingly a lot of people say what London weather but if you ever experience winter in uh, New York you would know and uh, also summer is not too exciting there as well so the weather here is like the people mild uh, so that's so that's great it's much more international than New York which is also quite surprising to a lot of people to hear New York is international quote quote it has 80% non New Yorkers but mostly Americans while here there's no uh, you can you, you, there's no day that goes by where you don't hear five different languages so it's all across Europe so it's English plus Europe plus Asia and so on so what was the plan coming to London so the plan was basically to start a company Honestly, I already had an idea um, in sort of like the last few months before leaving New York. So the plan was to come here, start at work, uh, find a co-founder, uh, and start building the company, basically. And luckily, I found out just before coming here about an accelerator program called Antler, which is very unique because it takes in solo entrepreneurs, individuals, not companies, and gives them a platform to find other co-founders, build a company. And then if it's something that's, that they find uh, good, they actually invest. So they give you initial funding and, uh, and office space and so on. So all the connections and everything you need for, for starting your company. Sort of like a startup on easy mode, I would say. Sounds quite dreamy. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's pretty good. There were more than 2,000 applicants to the program that started their, their first cohort in London this, this year. Uh, and out of 2,070 were uh, accepted. I was lucky enough to, to be accepted. And uh, out of those 70 people, 30 companies emerged. Only 12 got funding uh, and graduated the program. So, yeah, I consider myself lucky to some extent. And um, and that's, yeah. Sounds like a few months long hackathon. It's uh, <laughs> the first two months are, no, the first month is a, is a hackathon. I see it more, I coined it like a reality show where Survivor, Survivor meets Love Island meets Shark Tank. Or... Uh, <laughs> um, and that's basically it's because you have to find a founder quick. You have to find an idea quick. Um, and you need to find your team before someone else finds your, the people you want. So it's kind of like a, yeah, it's an interesting, um, interesting concept. So you've uh, finished the program with, uh, with the team? Yes. Did you guys get funded? We were funded by the accelerator. Yeah. And right now we are in the middle of another funding round post, post the accelerator stage. Tell me about the team and about Clutch. Cool. So um, the team is very diverse. Unfortunately, couldn't get a female on the team, but um, we have a British uh, with a um, Libyan um, ancestry. Ancestry, exactly. Uh, so Kareem, my uh, co-founder, is our chief product officer. Very experienced uh, startup entrepreneur. Already had a startup and sold it uh, at the time. Already and... had a startup and sold it, and then went on an accelerator. Yes, that's quite unique well you know it wasn't a wired magazine uh, st- style of exit like we see um, every day uh, so he wanted to do it again and uh, make it more successful than the previous one and um, our third co-founder Martin is originally from Bulgaria and now living in the UK and he's our CTO and um, yeah so it's a diverse background of individuals different geographies different ethnicities so that's cool what does the company do well, um, what we're trying to do is solve a big problem for post-sale teams, customer success, account management. Uh, we're analyzing their communication between cl- companies and their clients, and we're driving insights and call to actions that would help the, um, the agents become more productive and efficient and proactive with their client uh, in their day-to-day. So they'll be able to maintain better relationships, to upsell and expand their clients. 
I love it as someone who's been to the account services uh, side of the table for years. I love it and it's meaningful and I really hope to see you guys fulfill the promise that uh, Clutch has. Thank you. By the way, it's clutch.ai if someone's interested in finding us on Google. There you go. Speaking of Google, um, <laughs> there you go. Speaking about the devil. <laughs> Don't do uh, devil. You've worked for Google for a while, haven't you? Yes. Um, tell us a bit about your role there and also how you ended up working for Google because that's not something you just land out of nowhere. Well, um, I joined Google back in 2011. It was uh, just before I graduated from uh, Tel Aviv University. I started as an intern, actually, uh, industry analyst. I was working for the sales teams and um, looking into the, you know, into the data, trying to give uh, our clients uh, better insights and make them, you know, feel like Google is working for them. Uh, and then uh, down the line, I uh, switched to a more sales role. Uh, was managing travel and telecom clients. You say more of a sales role? Were you quota carrying? Yes. So you were a salesperson. I was, a, yeah. Okay. I was selling ads, search, display, YouTube, video, everything. The reason you said sort of, what is it? It's kind of like a mix. You have your book of business, so you're not a, a hunter. You're not trying to get new clients uh, for Google. It's already existing businesses who spend millions on the platform, but you serve as a trusted advisor and a consultant. So it's more like a consultative selling where you try to just get them to spend more, but you always do that in a way that would make them, their business more successful. It really connects well to my last role as director of customer success at, uh, at Bizabo, the, the company I work for in New York, which is an amazing company that does um, uh, tools for event managers, and um, you, which has the same flavor where you have a book of business where you have to just make them more successful. If your customer is successful in their business, they will just make you more successful as a as a vendor. So now you are leading one of the verticals in Google as a salesperson, consultative selling. Next, after Google, how did you finish with Google? I would say on very good terms. Uh, I was after five years. I felt I learned a lot. It was an amazing school for me and um was google still feeling like a startup at that point yes especially the israeli office we were very small uh when i started we were i believe around 20 when i left it was 70 today they're 1400 wow <laughs> so 1400 google employees in the tel aviv office yes and when you say feeling like a startup what does that actually entail well now that i'm in a startup it's uncomparable, <laughs> but at the time, because it was my first job out of university, um, it felt small. It felt like a small family. There was a real connection to, you know, the big company's vision. Although I was selling ads, the company was making search. It's not this, you know, it's not the same thing. But uh, there was a, it was a really good alignment with the company's vision, and I. You know, we just felt part of it. Why did you even leave? I mean... Yes, let's not talk about that. My mom is still upset. Google is the, <laughs> is the, is the epitome of success in the tech world. One of the best companies, the best HR and talent organizations in the world. They keep going. Um, they know to look after their employees in all aspects of life. And there you are, five years out of uni, and you're quitting what would be other people's dream job. True. I just wanted to leave to an even dreamer job. Um, I was very connected to the tech world. I, I tried to start a startup even before Google. Went to meet a lot of uh, investors and so on. Uh, a company called, uh, it was called Windward at the time. It still exists. Just without me, with other founders. <laughs> and, Windward uh, is a maritime... Maritime security, yes, solutions. At one point at Google, we had uh, someone coming from, I think it was Klein and Perkins, Really, a guy who was working for a very large VC, international VC, and he told us, uh, like, gave us this one-hour educational about VCs and his role and so on, and that looked like the job I want to do after Google. And at some point, um, I was approached by a good friend who told me, "Listen, I know someone. He's a friend of mine. He's looking to start a, a VC in Israel. He's looking." for someone to join him. 
in a role that would help him find companies, invest, and, and do all the things that VCs do. And I'm like, well, sign me up. And they signed you up. And- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And they signed me up. <laughs> Did you have to do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, self education in order to get prepared for working in the VC world? It's a lot of OJT. You, OJT. You learn on job training. Um, you learn as you go. You try to find reading material or things you know to hold on to. But it's um, the first thing is just you learn from your partners. You learn from uh, peers. So other individuals and you know individuals and other VCs who uh, had done this for for some time and are in your you know same position so they give you their best practices and so on but there was also a book that I was recommended at the time and uh, I would recommend everyone to read that if they want to if they are working in a, in a VC or they want to get funding from a VC that book works both ways it's called um, deal ventures venture deals. venture deals exactly yes and the link for the book would be in the show notes show notes yes there you go so VC the company the business model for VC is very quickly uh, we raise money from some sort of a, some sort of an organization a governmental fund or whatever it is you secure a few millions of dollars and then you have a, an investment thesis right you mm-hmm. invest in companies of a certain portfolio you develop an expertise well some develop expertise some consider them uh, sector agnostic so they invest in in anything that they seem to be uh, that could be a potential success um and yeah but you you gave it uh, quite a good description those uh investors that invest in vcs are, are called lps limited, limited partners. partners yes so um a fund has a, has a has a wallet of money mm-hmm. they need to spend that money let's say we have 10 million dollars we are funding 10 companies and we expect to see between 5 to 10 times the return mm-hmm. on the original fund fair enough um yep sort of what would you what, how, what would you change about that statement um well yeah they <clears throat> if they have 10 million and they invest in 10 companies they won't necessarily invest 1 million in each company they would invest less because they would like to probably participate in more advanced rounds, so they'll spend some of the f- first, some portion of the fund, and they'll keep extra just for for future success of, of companies. But um, yes, those ratios could be right. They're optimistic. And and but the idea is to get yeah. a, a a some sort of an exponential uh, a return on your initial investment. Yes, and also within a, a certain time frame. Within a certain time frame, and what makes it hard is that the the grim. Statistics tell a different story because eight out of uh, out of ten startups fail. Seven. Yeah, well, you know, if you twist statistics enough, you'll you'll hear you'll get whatever story you want. If we have to, uh, if we have to simplify for the conversation, so out of ten companies, five or six will go bust. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen. Suck the money. Never see any return. Two or three maybe break even. Maybe be uh, sold for parts later. And a good fund would have one or two exits that are supposed to give 
the exponential return and yes. cover for the losses. Yeah, more or less. Super risky business. It is. And you're coming from a Google mature company with really a, a mature forecasting methodologies and you have to start guessing your way towards a billion dollar company. Yes. Walk us through the first couple of weeks when you're still trying to find your feet. You immediately start talking to a lot of entrepreneurs who come to seek funding from your VC. At first place, you try to really understand what makes a good presentation, what supposedly makes a good business. And if you see one, you would never know. But once you see 20, you sort of you get a, a baseline of what seemed good, what did seem bad. And then um, if you start seeing the, the good ones, you start spotting the good ones or the ones that make an impression that supposedly would be uh, very successful, you start diving deep into that those specific sectors. So if um, you get a company that looks promising, you start really diving deep, deep into that uh, um, sector theme. You start in interviewing people from that sector to give you some more knowledge uh, from their experience and so on. So it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of reading. Um, it's a lot of asking questions. You have to be 10 times more curious and um, just asking questions all the time. Okay. You're a man. So last, I hope... Yeah, last I checked. Last I checked. I hope we can get a an atypical answer to this question. But okay. imposter syndrome. Ooh. Why? Why is that? Uh, why is it related to gender? Because uh, men struggle to admit they have no idea what they're doing. Oh, okay. Says who? So that's that was so that's kind of a different take on the imposter syndrome and a VC. That's a very humble perspective. A lot of people who have made it in business go and start their own VCs now. And you're describing a situation in which you're on that side of the table and you want to go back to being an operator, to rolling up your sleeves and do some work. Was that frustrating? Did you enjoy your status and your influence as, a, as an investor while also thinking, oh my God, I should be doing the work? <laughs> yes, it was, uh, it was definitely frustrating. And to be honest, when I left Google in my exit interview with uh, May Brand, who was the country director for Google in Israel, and now is basically managing a huge region of, I'm not like Russia, Africa, and other territories of Google. He told me, I'm not sure, I don't know why you're doing this. This is an old people's job. You're, you're too young for that. And I'm like, but, you know, I have this opportunity. I think I can, you know, do it well and so on. He was right. It's not an old people, but it's, it's, a, it's a job for people who, it's a position for people who, who are more experienced. And I felt that, and I felt that frustration of basically wanting to roll my sleeve and doing things and not necessarily just sitting and deciding if they would get the money or not. When did you realize he was right? Halfway through, like after six months. Okay, so it's not like second day in the office and I'm like, oh, what am I doing? No, no, of course not. No, there's, there was a, a long honeymoon period. And, and when did the penny drop? When I when I started feeling like I want to do something, I don't want to just sit and listen to other ideas every day. Like I want to make those I see those ideas come to life. So restlessness rather than a, rather than a, a, a reverse eureka moment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> What's a day like in the in the life of a of a VC? Generally speaking, don't have to go into details. I want to I want to get to the juicier parts of, of your resume, but mm -hmm. just so people would understand what they're getting themselves into. It's a mix of meetings with uh, meetings with uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, could be meetings with existing portfolio companies. Evenings are usually reserved to events. It's a it's a function where you have to go to events all the time, at least at the beginning until you have, you, you're tired of that. Um, and it's a lot of networking. So a lot of building your network, a lot of meeting entrepreneurs, and then um, a lot of thinking, a lot of, a lot of um, reading. And um, as you said before, you know, you have to dive deep into those ideas to, to poke holes and see if you want to invest them or not. So I would say it's like 
third meetings, third thinking, third networking. And then you left, uh, you left the VC world and you said, okay, enough is enough. I want to go back into the action, back into the trenches. And, uh, and you left. What was it like living the dream, dream job and going back into the, into the unknown and the uncertainty and the unpleasantness of actually building a company? So I'll have to admit that I left um, in also in, uh, in a good way. It sounds like it's impossible to have fights with you. Was, <laughs> I'm not a guy to have fights with. Um, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> my wife got um, an offer from her company to, uh, she was working at Yapo, which is a, is a brilliant SaaS Israeli company. And she was offered to be the first marketing person in New York. She was my client back then when I was working for LinkedIn. Oh. So I was heartbroken to having my point of contact in Yotpo move to New York. Okay. <laughs> That's a small world. And, um, and uh, we said like, okay, if I, you know, if we move to New York, I have to leave the VC because it's a local office. I said, okay, let's move to New York. I mean, what could be... A better it's not moving it's not going backwards it's, for me it was uh, exploring a new geography and learning you know learning from doing something else yeah but moving to New York is expensive New York is expensive in and of itself so I intentionally did not want to start a company there but I wanted to join um, a company that I could learn from so I had a great opportunity to join tabula what did you want to learn at this point because you've done Google and you've done VC and What's that to learn? What picked your interest? Well, I, I wanted to see, you know, corporate is a beast uh, where you can learn a lot about how they operate, but it's, it's such a large organization that you don't really have the, uh, the ability to see in, in more, more intimately different divisions, you know, be close to product or operations or management or even see the CEO. I mean, you never see the CEO of Google, right? Yeah. Only in, you know, over video. So very, uh, very um, clear roles and responsibility, very limited uh, remit in mm -hmm. your job and very siloed. Exactly. Especially uh, because it's a remote office. So, um, so it also has its implication where you're not part of the HQ. So we moved to New York. I joined Tabula. Tabula's office in New York is amazing. And, uh, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I watched Adam... Uh, the CEO of Tabula walk into the office, you know, when he was there and not on a plane or in a different office, but you could just see him every day. You could approach him. You can talk to him. He's, he's very approachable. Tabula is a content discovery platform. It is. And when you came in, what role did you take? So I joined, um, that was actually the fun part because I joined a team that, which was supposed to be like a startup within The, the the company the company wasn't small in and of itself it was 500 uh, employees at the time and um, by the way today it's I think 1500 your wife has a new job you have a new job you're a new country yes um, baby Tom was he already no in existence no, no, no. okay so still still existence. still in the oven yes okay uh, not, in, not even in the oven not even in the oven in the, okay you know. okay still a concept <laughs> still a concept okay. still a concept <laughs> What was it like launching a, a business unit in a new startup in New York? So it's New York and it's the U.S. You can just, uh, um, you can just look uh, at it as in New York because you have to look at the, the bigger picture, uh, especially with, with that kind of platform. It was overwhelming at first. Everything moves much faster in New York. You know, just as an example, you can't really stand on the sidewalks. You have to walk. Like, you can't, you can't just stop and look at your phone and, you know, uh, look at the maps and, and decide where to go. You have to be always on the move. And it's on the sidewalks and it's also in business. Everything moves much faster. And uh, you, you just, you know, make constant decisions. Uh, you have to take a lot of bets. And... Um, It's, it's really interesting. People are different. They're more American. And there's this um, learning period where you have to understand what Americans mean when they talk to you. Because they say one thing, they mean another. They're not direct, as you mentioned. They're not like, they're not like Israelis. And it's, uh, it's different. Especially the office was like 90% Americans. You're mentioning taking decisions and placing bets. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a, 
it's not a natural thing for an employee in a workplace to be to be constantly occupied with making decisions. And this is one of the key characteristics of startups. You have to make decisions. You can't afford not to make decisions. You can't afford to stay to stay put. Um, money being a, 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 an important resource, time is even more important. So the pace of thing dictates constant decision making mm-hmm. and constant decision making with lack of data where you are the responsible adult in the room and there's no one to defer the decision to. Did you find yourself struggling with, with the responsibility and the weight of it? It wasn't easy, to say the least. Um, and uh, f- fortunately, I had a lot of people that I could consult with. My manager, Alad, who was based in Israel, um, had a lot of experience. So he really pushed me into, you know, gave me the right guidance as, as much as he could. But yeah, I mean, I just had to try different things and see what works. And at some point, I had to, you know, pick up the phone and make cold calls to Nowhere America agencies who, you know, just to tell them about Taboola. And it's kind of like a user interview um, mixed with selling. It was weird, but uh, you have to try that. Going back to your uh, sales day, all of a sudden, you can't be just a consultant that already sells the product that everyone's using. Exactly. You have to be the person who's trying to kind of like swim upstream. Hey, guys, there's this new thing going on that you absolutely have to try out. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting part because at Google, you're used to having so many resources. So potentially, I could just have someone who would make those calls. But then I found myself with no one to, to do that. I had to do everything. So... Uh... Did you expect anything else when you came in or did you realize, actually, I wanted to do the work and now I do the work? I knew it would have to be a lot of hands-on. I was told and I knew it would have to be a lot of hands-on in the beginning. Uh, So, I mean, I was okay with that. Okay. And another thing I want to confront you with is you are this big fancy hire who's Mm -hmm. done Google, who's done VC and... Now you find yourself in uncharted territory having to ask questions and not having the right answers. And mm-hmm. how does that influence your identity, your ego, your sense of comfort at work? It's a good question because um, you are being expected. There's, there's There are high expectations from you. You really have to deliver. And if you feel that if you're not delivering, then you're failing. And you're failing someone. And you're failing your manager as well because he's supposed to deliver as well. It's it's uh, you know it's cascading. Uh, there's a ripple effect. But I mean, if there's a, the right culture of fail, fail fast, go do something else. Eventually, you'll make you'll make it work. Then it's okay. So I think it boils down to the culture. That so Tabula, uh, yeah. you're starting a startup within a startup. Yep. How long did you stay with the company? I stayed. A little over than a year, and then I was actually I, a little over than a year. Uh, and when I joined, we were four hundred. When I left, we were eight hundred. I really wanted to be part of something smaller. That's why I joined Tabula in the first place. I felt okay, it's a startup. But after being a year or so in a, in, in Tabula, it wasn't a startup anymore. And I, you know, it was a reality check for me. And I decided, okay, I want something even smaller. Small as in, I know the names of everyone I'm working with. Yeah. I found this amazing company called Visavo. As a family. Yes. As a family unit. Um, As a family unit? Family unit. Okay. You, your wife. Oh, okay. um, uh, The unreleased feature that is called Tom. Mm -hmm. Did you have that tolerance for for risk? Yes, Definitely. It's not, I mean, what is risk? Uh, I'm, I feel lucky enough that I always had uh, sort of like a, um, safety something, net. a safety net. I always had, always had a safety net, whether it's, you know, my family, my wife's family, very supportive. Was uh, there ever a conversation about, about, hey, honey, listen, I know I have this good job, which I'm doing well in. Yes. Uh, and I know we're about to uh, 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 grow <laughs> as a family. And we were actually going to. Uh, that it was, yeah. So now I want to go into this big unknown with a company who's, I don't know what, 30, 40 people. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, I don't know, the fifth employee in New York. What do you think? Is that a conversation? 
it is a conversation. Um, it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it did not go like that. I did not ask it uh, this way, but it was a conversation. Like, okay, How did you ask it? It's more, uh, you know what? It, it actually came from her because at some point she told me, listen, I don't, it doesn't look like you're having too much fun at what you're doing. Why don't you find some, something that gives you more enjoyment and fulfillment? And like, you know, she knows me better than, than I do. And um, I started, you know, putting my ears to the ground, having some conversations with uh, people in the community. And luckily, it was quite fast when I, when I was uh, speaking to Alon, who's the, one of the founders of Visibo and the chief customer officer. We had lunch. We talked. And a month after, he said, listen, a month after, and in that month, they, they successfully raised $16 million dollars. Uh, he approached me and said, listen, I, I, I have a job, a position for you. How big was the company back then? So they were uh, between 40 and 50 people. Okay, so that's, that's kind of like the right size, the size you wanted. Yes, that was a perfect size. Okay, beyond an idea, beyond the proof of concept, but before product market fit? No, no, they, they were, there was market fit at then. Yeah. Okay, so just, just a moment before, before scale? Yes, before huge scale. Okay, got it, yes. got it, got it. So first in the office, visible startup, what do they have, what don't they have as a company? Alon was based in New York. Um, they already had a few functions of operations, customer success, marketing. Uh, I think they were, they did the right move to start these supporting functions in New York um, early on. And this is something I, I think it's, it's important for listeners who are based outside of the U.S. and who are you know, starting their own business and, and trying to target that market. It's not easy doing it remote. People feel that they can just launch a campaign on, you know, Facebook or Google and we'll just get customers from the U.S. But when you're actually there in the market, you get a much better sense of what's happening there and what's the right approach and the language and the competition it's just much better for companies to be based in their target market. So that's just, you know, side note. Um, so, you know, those kind of functions, sales, customer success, operations, marketing, you know, everything you need from a, for a go-to-market in a company. Basically, the only thing that was in Israel was the R&D. Did the visible match your expectations and needs coming into a startup? You were kind of on search now. You wanted to move uh, from uh, Google to a place where you can have more impact. VC or close to the table, but far from the action. Tabula, you wore the table, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and now you have to build something. So, yeah, it's um, definitely met my expectations. Uh, being very close to the founders, um, having a lot of impact, helping to build something and see it grow exponentially. Impact is a word that comes back a lot in uh, in the podcast. What does impact mean, really? I think impact is a change that is visible or you can feel it fast enough in a short period of time because we all make an impact. Some people, it just takes them 10, 20 years. Some people, it takes them one year. So if you're joining a company that, just for the sake of numbers, is 1 million ARR and then the following year, does 3 million ARR, you see that change quite clearly. ARR, annual recurring revenue, yeah. uh, basically money that will come in to mm -hmm. the business. So you're saying I'm a bigger piece of the puzzle. Yes. Impact is sometimes could be self-serving, you know? What do you mean? I mean that it feels really good to be impactful and to be heard mm -hmm. and to see your work come to life. But it's not a purpose on its own. Did you find it hard to align your impact and motivation with the company's priorities and the founder's priorities and the way of work? That's a complicated question. <laughs> so you go in as an outsider, you yeah. immediately see everything that could be done better. As a startup, mm. half of the place is on fire and you, can, you think you can fix it all. Yeah, true. Well, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's a, it's a matter of perception. It's not it's not real. It's not reality. Like you, it's, sometimes it's good to have fresh fresh set of eyes on situations, 
And um, people think they come to a place, they see everything's broken, they can fix it. Um, but then I think it, it requires a bit of maturity to understand that if you trust enough the founders, you would understand that they have a better picture of what's going on. Not saying that they're 100% right, but they probably have more context to why things are the way they are. And I'm not saying that you just have to accept it, but you have to take in um, and you have to be patience, patient. That's a learning that I had from Taboola when, when I joined there to the New York office. I tried to make a lot of changes and use a lot of resources and I quite quickly got to, saw some friction from other divisions and other people who were just there before me. So when I joined to uh, Bizabo, I decided that I would be a bit a bit more patient and listen, learn from my environment before I speak up and before I point fingers on problems and try to solve things that are I suspect is broken. How long before you felt comfortable to start voicing your concerns? Two days. I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I think it's, uh, I would give it at least two months. Two months. Two months, at least. Because you have to learn your own role, your own, the team that you manage or the team that you work at. You know, you, you need to get acquainted with the other teams. You need to make sure, you know, you develop your own authority, what you do. Um, and you, you don't want to just make, create clashes. So you take everything in. And I think after at least a month or two, then you can... start saying, okay, let's try to understand how to make things better. Going back to what I asked about, uh, about Tabula and the expectations that were on you, mm -hmm. did you feel a similar set of expectations uh, coming into Visible? <laughs> uh, yes, and I would say even higher to some degree. Um, I was given a lot of, I was given, um, it kind of like took a chance on me because I never worked at a SaaS company and did the role that I did. So... Mm -hmm. They just relied on the fact that I'm capable of learning fast and being able to, you know, to make it happen. What, so was, I, the, what was the role you took on? Uh, the role was uh, director of customer success. So I was managing teams of customer success. Not something I did before that. But yeah, so again, a lot of learning, a lot of listening, uh, reading, asking questions from people who have experience in the role, um, even before starting and then while on the job. Did Bizabo raise another round when you were there? Yes, they did. Uh, a year after, they raised $27 million. What does it feel like being in a company that's killing it on one hand, but still reliant on venture capital money to, uh, to exist on the other? To be honest, I did not have the intimate connection to the P&L. You know, to the bottom line. So you didn't feel the pressure that's coming from the, the, the burnout rate or... No, no. Would you give um, credit to your managers for, for protecting you from that type of pressure? I would give them credit for doing an amazing job and just like managing, managing the, the resources in the right way, but not, not making it seem as, this, as if there's like um, not enough. So there was, there was, you know, a good office space, good, good, uh, good environment, you know, the right perks, not too much, but just enough. So, you know, we won't have to complain that there's bad coffee in the kitchen, you know. Yeah, you're in New York. You have to be competitive. Talent exactly. is expensive, super competitive. There's a baseline. You need to match the benchmark. Otherwise, uh, you're out of the ballpark. So far, you know, you look over your LinkedIn and your, your career and, and, I don't want to say it's going from one success to the other. Don't, don't say that. Because <laughs> I know it's not. I know it's not. But walk me through some of the hard days. Walk me through some of those times where you're like, you know what? I'm actually doing a role I'm doing for the first time in my life. And I don't know that I have the right answer. Or I've just, I've just took a wrong turn. So I think it's, you know, at some point, uh, at some point at Taboola, I felt that I'm not managing to... I wasn't exactly set up for success for the role that I took. I felt perhaps I was brought a bit early on before the product was mature enough. And uh, when I say the product, I'm talking about the, you know, the self-service uh, platform. 
I felt I was, you know, banging my head and trying to make things work, but it was just uh, an uphill battle. So I tried one way, I tried another, and that, yeah, that was a bit, that was a bit frustrating. Um, and I tried to think what would make me happy, and, uh, and then at some point I just realized that doing something else. So, so many times in your career so far, you're doing things for the first time. Okay, yeah. Yes. Like, you've never, <laughs> not once you told me, listen, I was an account manager, and then I became the manager of account managers. Like, it just doesn't seem to happen. You're managing to uh, somehow create a linear and, and, and progression, but without being linear at all. Yes, I, um, I avoided doing something linear. <laughs> or maybe I was misfortunate enough to not have the, I didn't have the opportunity to, to have a linear uh, uh, progression. And I remember quite clearly someone who was, I think it was, I don't remember who, but I saw a lecture about different pathways in career. One is linear and one is... Uh, squiggly. Squiggly. So I think I enjoy more the this, this squiggly one. I think you learn more, you learn faster. And what advice would you give to people who are going through their entire careers doing things for the first time? First of all, do it. <laughs> um, you know, it's like jumping from a really high uh, cliff. Well, that's not a good... No, 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 not a cliff. Don't jump from a cliff. Don't jump from a cliff. Uh, you hear that? Know, don't cool. jump from don't a cliff. Don't jump from a cliff. Uh, you know, jumping in the water, just jump. You know, at the end of the day, if you feel, if you think the water will be cold, it will be cold. But if you take a few, you know, take a few, swim a little bit, it'll get warmer. Uh, but you have to, you know, you have to jump. I was wondering where you're going to take the water analogy, but I like it. Yeah. You, you'll get, you'll get used to the water. You'll get used to the water. It is what it is. And um, the alternative, by the way, is hypothermia and a slow and painful death. <laughs> True. Um, so first of all, just do it. Uh, you have to take the step. That's the, you know, the zero to one is, is taking that step. And then once you're there, enjoy it. Make a learning out of it. Enjoy it. I hate it that you say enjoy it because every every annoying tech <laughs> checklist right. is like, the, the kick ass, have fun. I'm like, you know, fun could be a good indicator if I'm the right person at the right place, but it couldn't be a thing on its own. Okay, you're absolutely right. And that's, and that's, I'm sorry, that's I don't know why it gets me so wild. No, you're, you're, you're <laughs> absolutely right. What would venture capitalist Jonathan say to young founder Jonathan? <laughs> I'm still here, I'm founder. First of all, I would say the exact same thing I said two minutes ago. Just just do it. Just start. Take the plunge. Just take the plunge. I would say enjoy it. Although he wouldn't. He would suffer. Why would he suffer? You didn't touch for the hour we're speaking. You know, I was almost jealous of your life. Do I know there were moments of suffering? Why would he suffer? Oh, it's it's a you know it's like a, a boot camp, right? In the army, it's a complete. It's like months of suffering. But when you look back at it, it's like oh, it was an interesting look how experience. quickly you moved back from the suffering to looking back at nostalgia. <laughs> takes time to accumulate. You don't become you're nostalgic right, the day I'm, after. First of all, I'm a very nostalgic person, so maybe that's that's my fault. But, suffering. Uh, you're a founder now. What occupies your mind? You looked at your watch ten minutes ago because you need to be out of here. There's things you need to do. What's on your mind? Okay, on my mind now is how do I make things work? Make things work. You have so many things that need. You know, it's not need fixing because the you know they're okay for now, but they need to work. You need to make a product work, and it doesn't really work. But you need to tell other people that it works, so you get funding. If you don't get funding, which make you know your company won't work because you have a runway of just a few months. You need to make your um, your family work because if I don't get back by. 6.30, I won't have 30 minutes with Tom before he goes to sleep. And those, you know, I live for those 30 minutes. So you need to make the product work. You need to make the company work. You need to make uh, your family work. You need to talk to your parents because, Ooh, you know. I need to talk to You need parents. to talk to your parents. You said that and I felt they're, <laughs> they're like, it's two missed calls now. Yes. I haven't gotten back to you. <laughs> um, and your friends, uh, you know, you need, you made so many friends throughout your, your life. And I'm someone who 
aspires to maintain good relationship with my my friends but um because your yeah. friends are also part of your safety net and right. they part of the the sense of a uh, confidence and security you have when taking the plunge and that's something that comes across very clearly when speaking with you and when when knowing your uh, knowing your wife you've built a unit that uh, that uh, that embraces those types of risk and that is tolerant of that and that has the confidence of taking on new challenges and it's inspiring it really is inspiring thank you you're welcome <laughs> any more uh, any more uh, words of wisdom you'd like to impart on people who listen and who are now considering moving from relatively cushioned jobs into the world of a founder yes um I said just do it, but it has to be thoughtful. You have to know, feel that you do have that safety net to some degree, because if you don't, it will be much, much harder. Don't do it just for the sake of starting a company or starting a startup or being that, because uh, you know it's a means to an end. It's not that. I would do a very intense uh, research for what I want to do, for what problem I want to solve, unless I already have a burning desire to solve something. So do that and um, listen to the second season of uh, Startup Nightmares, I would say. Jonathan, thank you for for the time. Thank you for uh, sharing your experience. What would be a good way to get in touch with you? It's very easy. I'm all, all over social networks from MySpace. If you find that profile, ignore it. Um, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, my email is jonathan at clutch.ai. Jonathan, you're an especially lucky person that backs their luck um, with tremendous hard work and a lot of tolerance for risk. Um, thriving in single swim situations. Uh, I hope that today would be beneficial to the people who listen to and any follow-up questions please feel free to reach out to jonathan and the social media handles and emails will be down in the uh, show notes with that jonathan thank you so much for joining and can't wait to see you again thank you very much pleasure Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.